Blog Talk Radio. Hello and thank you for tuning back in. This is Season 1, Episode 3 of Brain Droppings. I am your host, as always, at the helm, Joe Show. So, today's episode is titled Kids. And I wanted to do a show that talked a little bit about some of the challenges of parenting four children under one roof. Some of the frustrations or the unscripted comedy that comes out in its purest form. So hopefully this will entertain. If you're a parent, you'll absolutely relate to this. If you don't have kids, but you have siblings, you will absolutely relate. And if you don't have kids and you were an only child, you should listen anyways, just to solidify that choice you made. It ain't easy, people. And that's for sure. So hope you enjoyed this episode titled Kids. So I wanted to get into talking, at least right off the bat, about some of the challenges. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Well, that was a bit of a delay on the audio, and that's awesome, I guess. Anywho, um, again, you're listening to Season 1, Episode 3 titled Kids of the Brain Droppings Podcast. I am your host, Joe Show, at the helm as always. Um, just in case none of that went live to start, I was alluding that this hour is going to be discussing some of the challenging aspects of parenting four children under one roof. I have four of them. Uh, from frustrations to unscripted comedy in its purest form, this hour will surely entertain. If you're a parent, you'll absolutely relate to it. If you don't have kids, but you have siblings, you'll absolutely relate to it. If you don't have kids and you were an only child, you should listen anyways just to solidify that choice. It ain't easy, people, and that's for sure. So I hope you enjoy Episode 3, Kids. And without any further ado and audio difficulties, let's jump right in. So a little backstory. Um, I have four children living under my roof, two from my first marriage and two stepchildren from my second marriage. Uh, they age range from 15 to 10. There are three boys and one girl. The boys are 15, 14, and 13. The little girl is 10. Uh, keeping all that in mind, you can only imagine some of the unscripted comedy that transpires within the four walls of this home that we have up here in New Hampshire. Um, I can tell you straight off the bat that one of the most prominent things to deal with when you have uh, three boys is the incessant smell of puberty that they are progressing through at different stages. Uh, that in itself is a challenge <laughs> to say the least uh, from not getting, you know, we have a couple of basic rules. If you see trash, take it to take it outside and put it in the can. If you see laundry piling up in your room, bring it and put it in front of the washing machine. We'll take care of it for you. You'd think, given the fact that all four of them are fairly intelligent humans, you would think that they would be able to handle that. They'd be able to do that. But typically we get the type of feedback that sounds like, Who will allow me to retort? 
and I get a lot of pushback. So what we do is we end up with a lot of panicky nights, 930 at night. Uh, I don't have anything to wear tomorrow. And I sort of just kind of think to myself, uh, I don't really care. You didn't bring it down. Um, so that's a challenge. Obviously, with the three boys, specifically being in their teens, uh, gaming, whether it be Nintendo Switch, Microsoft Xbox, PC, laptop, Chromebook, um, you name it, phones. Technology in our house is always a constant struggle. And I tried to find a way to alleviate some of that stress. And, you know, in New Hampshire, we have Comcast as our cable provider and Internet provider. And although I bought them the fastest possible upload and download speed router that they had or modem that they had at Comcast, and I put in the Xfinity pods to increase the signal throughout the house, it almost feels like I'm enabling the addiction of online gaming and the, the games that they play range from apex predator to Fortnite um, down to clash of clans. So it, they, they kind of run the gamut of games that they enjoy. And then on Nintendo, it's super smash brothers, Zelda. Um, it's basically about it. I think on the Xbox it's Fortnite and rocket league. Um, but at the end of the day, Finding balance in schedules is a constant challenge as a parent, whether it's my wife, Kate, who's heard on season one, episode two, um, or if it's just I, when it comes to helping the kids of today find balance, um, balance between schoolwork, balance between online gaming, balance between family time, balance between not sheltering yourself in your room on a bright sunny day and actually enjoying a little bit of sunlight, that would be beneficial. The The problem is, and if you have kids, you understand this, um, having them self-regulate their time can be a frustrating piece for a parent because we see it as very easy. You know, you go to school, you come home, you do your homework, um, you have dinner, you spend some time with your family, and then with your extra time, you would game. That's how it used to be. How it is now is a little bit different. Now it's get home from school, have a snack, start gaming. Have dinner, continue to game. Uh, panic because you don't have clothes or laundry. Um, Wi-Fi gets shut off at 9 in this house, which is phenomenal. And then complain, you know, Oh, I didn't get my homework done. Oh, I didn't study for that test. And it can be very frustrating from a parental perspective. So those are, those are some of the challenges that we have. Um, you know, kids inherently are messy individuals, and that's difficult. To know me is to know that I suffer from a very mild form of OCD. Um, and it's usually I'm deemed OCD by hoarders, people that are just pig pens minus the blanket. Um, or no, does pig pen have a blanket? I don't remember thinking, and that's a Charlie Brown peanuts reference, but whatever pig pens, um, people that are typically not tidy or neat tend to call people that are, uh, OCD. So do I like things a particular way? Yes. I grew up in an Italian American family as the oldest son. We had responsibilities. Uh, we didn't 
you know, I grew up in a time frame. I'm in my mid forties. I grew up in Atari and ColecoVision. So they weren't all encompassing and they weren't my primary outlet for enjoyment. When I was a child, I was an outside kid and I was involved in a lot of sports. So, you know, the dichotomy is different now between, you know, the youth of the late seventies to mid eighties versus the youth of the late 2010s to 2019s. So it, it's a challenge um, for sure. And we struggle with it on a daily basis. It's, it, it gets to the point where, you know, you work all day as a parent, you, you get up in the morning, you know, if I don't go to work, I don't get paid. If I don't do my work when I'm at work, I'm going to get fired. And then we're not going to have a house. We're not going to have lights on. We're not going to have all the wonderfulness that is part of, you know, being part of the working class of America. You know, we work so that we have the things that we want. And, you know, I'm a lead by example type of person. So I like things a particular way. I try to teach and, and lead by example in the ways that I want it. And it's, it just seems like it's a constant battle, you know, and it, it's non-gender related. Um, all three of my sons and my daughter are equally messy. Um, so that's a challenge. And it doesn't seem like anything that I say or do or, you know, threaten to take away games really has a lasting impact. Does it help for a week or two? For sure. Is it a long-term solution? It's not. And I struggle with that. You know, as a parent, I struggle with that. I know my wife struggles with it. Um, but it does create some hilarity. Uh, if you're a parent, you totally get it. Uh, boys, specifically boys going through puberty, stink. Um, I shouldn't have to remind you to take a shower every day, but I do when I can smell you. Um, I, like I said, I grew up in an Italian American family. We had to cook. That was part of the deal. Um, and if you didn't cook, you had to be the prep cook. So I grew up being a prep chef. Um, I cut the vegetables from my mother. I watched my great, you know, my grandmother, my Nana, uh, cook on Saturdays. A lot of it was transposed onto me through osmosis of sitting on a counter as a young child, listening to, I, I don't know, it was probably the Catholic mass in Latin on her radio, uh, but sitting in the kitchen and watching her cook and, and seeing the passion that she put into her meals. And I, I kind of take that forward into my life now. Um, I use cooking as a therapy. So when I come home, there's nothing better than walking into a kitchen that's clean and devoid of clutter, devoid of dishes in the sink, um, and just starting to prep a meal to feed your family. Um, I, Rachel Ray made a, a living off of 30-minute meals. I can make just about anything better than what she can make in about 40 minutes. So it's, I've got it down to a science that from when I walk in to when I complete the meal, it's no more than 40 minutes, usually in that 30 minute mon montage. And I try to keep it fresh. Don't want to eat the same things over and over and over again, but it's easy to fall into those, those pitfalls, um, specifically in the winter months in the summer, you know, I love to grill. I love to be outside. Um, so that's kind of what I do there. But, you know, some of the frustrations from a parental perspective is you come home kids came home, they had a snack. There are crumbs all over the counter. There's wrappers all over the counter. The trash is full and overflowing. Uh, the dishwasher is, I, 
my favorite. The dishwasher is clean and the light's on, but the sink is filled with dirty dishes, and they weren't there when you left in the morning. Those things grate on the therapy that I get from cooking because I feel like I can't get started. So it's, it's a bit of a challenge. Now, I say all that as my frustrations. The comedy that comes from that and there is, I, I promise you, it's, it's straight comedy, are some of the conversations that transpire at the dinner table. Um, the boys, literally, I, I, I attribute teenagers of 2019 in the electronic landscape that they live in between YouTube and Insta, Snap, Twitter. Uh, I don't think there's anybody under 21 on Facebook at this point, but of those social media platforms, they, they kind of create a language. And if you're not on Instagram and you're not on Snapchat and you're not uh, on Twitter, you, you may not understand half of the words that come out of their mouth, but it's so funny to watch. They can have complete conversations at dinner. And I swear to God, they're speaking Latin. I just, I don't understand what they're saying. I don't really get it, but they are completely amused and they they have these conversations they talk through all the things that are bothering them it's interesting they speak through memes um, because that's a big thing right now for the three boys Uh, my stepdaughter she's phenomenal she's a straight-a student uh, high honors but a pistol Um, one of the messiest girls I've ever met in my life hands down Uh, she could comfortably live in a pile of clothes however Biggest heart you'll ever meet, sweetest person you'll ever meet, um, and always looking to help when she knows you're popped off. What I would hope is that down the line they could find a way to make this work a little bit easier for everybody because it can be so frustrating, you know, and it can really, you come home, long commute, you just want to chill, and sometimes you just don't have the ability to. Back to the comedy. Sorry about that. Had to get that off my chest. And I I use, you know, podcasts for me are cathartic. They allow me an opportunity to kind of vent, get my thoughts out, um, say things over and over again until they make sense to me. And if you enjoy listening to them, well, I I appreciate it. Um, I suggest you go over to TuneIn and search Brain Droppings. I'm not the Papa John's brain droppings. It is just brain droppings and subscribe. Uh, Pretty soon we'll be listed on iTunes, just waiting for the approval there. And as always, you can find us on blog talk radio by searching brain droppings and seeing the giant picture of my mug indicating that you found the right podcast. Uh, So some of the funny things that happen about raising kids, I've already talked about the, the pain points. So the funny things about, you know, having children is each one of the four of them is a very unique and individual personality. Um, They always tell you that when you have kids, you know, you're going to have one that's like you and one that's a polar opposite of you. And typically the polar opposite is usually the good kid. Um, (laughs) But in, in my case, um, my oldest is 15. My youngest is 13. Uh, The 13 year old we call mini me because he has my sarcasm, he has my wit, he has my personality, he has my charm. Um, he is going to be a troublemaker down the line, He's somebody we got to keep an eye on. Um, my oldest, on the other hand, is the old soul of the group at 15. He is um, 
entering that phase that we all entered as teenagers where you are smarter than everybody in the room, just ask you. And so that's created a little bit of um, newfound friction <clears throat> in our relationship because we, you know, I, I talk to my oldest as though he's an adult and he talks to me as though I'm an adult. It's just times where he is dead set that he's right. And I'm looking at him square in the eye going, there is no chance that this point that you're arguing is correct. So we go back and forth, but it's, it's good. Um, my middle son is 14 and he has got some very similar character traits to me when I was a young, young kid as well, uh, where he loves to be outside. He's more nature driven, uh, fish, wildlife, uh, that type of being outside where I was more sports, um, playing guns in the woods where you pretend like, you know, with real guns, freak, don't freak out my little snowflakes. Daddy bird will feed you. Um, guns is in, we use our fingers and it was basically a game of manhunt or hide and seek in the woods where you would just pop out of a bush and make a gun sound and say, ah, your history. Um, but that was kind of the extent of my outdoor time frame. So my, my middle son is, is similar in that he likes to be outside. Um, Stepdaughter, she is sporty spice, um, plays soccer, plays softball, uh, and really enjoys it. She's very physically active, Doesn't can easily be stuck in her room watching YouTube for hours and hours and hours, or be outside shooting hoops. To her, it doesn't matter. It's just something to do. So it's that's been kind of fun. We have had some interesting, we blended our families probably, this is almost a continuation of episode two with Kate, but okay tonight. Um, but we blended our families in July of 2018, um, bringing her son and daughter into my house with my two boys. And so there's six of us living under one roof. And I don't even, I don't have the audio for the theme song of the Brady Bunch, but it is apropos. Um, it fits for sure. Needless to say, in that blending, we have had some uh, really fun moments where we just kind of you know, either all end up with a huge belly laugh or we, um, you know, have one of those blowouts where everybody's angry with each other. Um, my youngest, for instance, he is, I'd said he was more like me from a personality charm and blah, blah, blah perspective, but he's a baker. Um, and I'm not necessarily a good baker. So I have to always make sure he has plenty of stuff so he can bake. Um, uh, but some of the funnier stuff that's that's happened have been more like the sophomoric humor, all sitting there quietly watching a movie, a suspense thriller. The room is quiet. The music is playing that ting to ting, ting, ting. And then somebody just rips ass like no one's business. And the room erupts in laughter. Those type of things happen to us, sadly, daily um, <laughs> between, you know, ripping ass and, and, and straight burps. It, it, it just, it happens day in and day out. Um, and it's enjoyable, you know, we tend to enjoy listening and, and being a part of it. It looks like I have somebody listening in right now. I wonder if they have any, uh, insight into child rearing, uh, being a parent, being an only child or being a sibling. So I'll just dive over real quick and check and see. Hey, 909. Thanks for listening in. Hello. My name How is are Sarah. you? I'm calling from California. I'm well, thank S you. How are you? 
I'm doing super. Look at that. I actually have a listener and across the country. That's amazing. <laughs> Technology is amazing. And it can be a real pain in the butt sometimes, too. <laughs> yes, it absolutely can. So you've been listening in, talking to me about the challenges of, of having kids. Do you have any of your own? I do. And I have their fully grown, two sons, and they're doing well, both married. Um, my oldest um, has blessed me with grandchildren, and my youngest is married, but they're not interested in children just yet. They're enjoying each other. <laughs> but, um, I wish I was, I, I am trying to get to that finish line as quickly as possible. I don't know if you heard me mention, but mine range, range in age 15, 14, 13. Those are three boys and a yeah. stepdaughter who's 10. So and we have a full house. Individual personalities from what I hear. <laughs> Oh, my God, they're all different. They're all different. They're all individuals in their own right, and it makes for quite an interesting nightly um, encounter. You know, I, I was started the podcast just talking about some of the frustrations um, of parenting four children um, under one roof from, you know, building Mount Rushmore out of trash on the trash bin. It's like, just pull the trash bag, guys. Take it out. Somebody, please. And I find... With the four kids, there's almost a hierarchy where the oldest doesn't want to do it because he's the oldest. But in my world, you should do it because you're the one who's going to set the example. And then it just snowballs down. The middle one doesn't want to do it because the younger one should do it. The younger one doesn't want to do it because the girl should do it. And if somebody picks up a napkin, then they can't wait to like see if they're going to get a gold star. I picked up my plate tonight. Well, that's Fan friggin' tastic. I appreciate the fact that you picked up your plate. Did it make it to the dishwasher? Did you rinse it? Did you scrape it? Did any of those things transpire? Well, well no, I, I just put it in the sink. You're not helping. <laughs> that's, that's not helping. I could have done that. <laughs> well, yes, it's incredible. Oh, and it's, I'll tell you, it's its ongoing. But Every single day, it's, it's something more. different. Oh, and oh, I'm, I'm the primary home chef at our house. I, I do, you know, for me, it's like therapy. I love to go home after my commute home, get home and prep a meal and see how quick I can prep it, how interesting I can make a different meal. I try to switch things up so don't get, we don't get stuck in the same five or six meals each week. Um, and I use that as my therapy. That's kind of my unwind time. It's when I'm thinking about what I'm going to do for the next podcast or if I'm doing um, on blog talk radio, I'm also a host and co-host for Celtics post game live. So I'm, if there's a Celtics game, I'm trying to my darndest to get dinner prepped on the table, cleaned up and in front of the TV in time to watch the game so that I can speak intelligently about it on the radio when the game's over. And I need that quiet time, but I'll walk in and the house will literally look like a bomb went off. And I know it didn't, I didn't leave it that way when I went to work in the morning. When I went to work in the morning, there were no dishes in the sink. There were no pots on the stove. There were no wrappers on the counters. There were no crumbs. And it seems like no matter how much I tell them, guys, A, I need help. B, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but if you leave food out to eat it, it's not a goblin. It's not the dog. The dog doesn't really go up on the counter. It's more the bugs that you are throwing out the welcome mat for from outside and I don't want them in my house. They're not invited. I have no space for them. It's, it's so challenging. It, it really is. It, it, it can be a laugh a minute sometimes when I'm letting everything, you know, roll off my back, but 
mm-hmm. for the most part, after a full day of work and the commute home, which is 45 minutes to an hour, I just want to get home and cook. I just want to, I want to race to the end of my day. I want to get in front of my laptop, take out my microphone, cut an hour of a podcast, just chill. <laughs> and it seems like sometimes they're working against me. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. As far as any type of advice I could offer you, my my family was very close as well um, while raising the boys, and so they had grandparents on both sides. And so that helped out a lot. Um, but um, my, who is now my ex-husband, was in the Marine Corps, so when he went to Desert Storm, I was left to take care of the two, and then thinking if he didn't make it back, then what happens? So I went and got a job because I was a stay-at-home mom. So now I was mm. working and taking care of the two kids by myself. And so, you know, it started to become a challenge um, just because of the stress from worrying about him and then, of course, the children and if I'm spending enough time with them and I feel like I'm yelling at them so much that I don't enjoy them enough. And then by the end of the night and they lay in their bed and they look so sweet and I feel so terrible because I've been yelling at them all day. <laughs> Sorry, pick up your time. Oh, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I often wonder why they make wine glasses when they are, when it comes in a bottle. That's all you really need. Um, it's its own glass. <laughs> and at the end of the night, you almost need it. But I do. Well, my um, mother-in-law shared thank... with me. She said, you know what? She says they grow up very quick. She says you have to enjoy them. You can't worry this, about I... everything else. And, and it's hard. And I get you what you're saying. But there also has that because of the ages that you have, if I may suggest anyway, and, and although you love cooking as much as you do, if you're going to continue to love to cook in a clean kitchen, may I suggest that when you walk in that door, if that kitchen is a disaster, then nobody eats until the kitchen gets clean. And it has to be a group effort. It can't be just one person. You all have to work together. The kitchen better be clean. When it's clean, I'll be more than happy to cook you dinner. And if we don't make well, it by bedtime because it's school night, well, then I guess we don't eat tonight. Oh, I am so happy you brought that up because that was the next line item for me to talk about. So we had a family meeting tonight. Um, mm-hmm. I came home, bombed kitchen, trash built up. I, I just, it was like the fourth night in a row. So brought everybody together and I said, here's the deal. And I want everybody to listen clearly. If I come home tomorrow and this house looks the way it does, I promise you one thing. I am going to plant my butt on the couch. I know the Celtics are playing the Pacers and I'm doing the post game. I'm not doing anything. You can feed yourselves at 15, 14, 13 and 10 more than fully capable of handling that. There are chicken nuggets and frozen pizzas in there. For those of you who don't want to venture into a knife block and some vegetables, knock yourself out. But I'm not going to keep doing this. We have to work together. And again, I, I think it got through to them. We'll find out. It usually is like a week of reprieve. So the house will be clean. My oldest who has a pension for spending a little bit too much time online with his gaming will make an appearance Mm -hmm. nightly for a week or two, you know, Hey, I'm alive. I don't have socks. Can you do some laundry? (laughs) Um, but I love I'm the idea sure of the family meeting that you had, but I don't think I would have offered them the, the option of feeding themselves because then you're only inviting more mess. But hey, uh, yeah, you know, no it's idea. just a thought. My husband, my it, current husband, my second husband, my love of my life, um, he's a Celtics fan. He just wanted me to mention that. He's listening too. So. <laughs> oh, super. <laughs> I appreciate that. Tell him to make sure to check out Blog Talk Radio, Celtics Post Game Live, immediately fit. 
<clears throat> immediately following the buzzer after every Celtics regular season and, and postseason game. And you will catch me the next two games. I'm doing the Pacers and the Magic. And then the final uh, game is against the Wizards, and that's Bobby Manning and Taylor McLeod. Uh, we have a really great job, a great team that puts together a great show each and every post game. Um, I, it's part of the CLNS Media uh, group. I've really appreciated them taking me under their wing for the season and allowing me to talk NBA basketball from a fan's perspective. So if your husband, mm-hmm. your second husband of your life, enjoys the guy on the bar stool next to him's take on the game that they just both watched, I'm the eyeball guy. Um, I'm not going <laughs> to dive deep into the stats and talk about, you know, individual players, uh, basketball reference plus minus numbers, not my thing. I'm more the guy on the stool next to you at the bar that goes, Gordon Hayward looks really good tonight. Let me tell you why. Um, so that's my role yeah. on the show. So if you don't listen tomorrow night and again on, I believe they play Sunday, um, but I'll be doing both of those games. And then this is I'm my little, thumbs up. <laughs> oh, good. And this is my 180 detract from all things sports. So to know me is to know I'm immersed in sports, whether it's doing, as I mentioned, the post game for the Celtics, I still play competitive, I call it old man. I'm in my mid forties. We play old man baseball, uh, wood bat league, two umps, nine innings in New Hampshire. So I still play on a team. I enjoy, you know, immersing myself in sports, but I need an outlet outside of that. And I thought, you know, given the, the interest that I've had in doing these post game broadcasts that then get converted to podcasts, I thought, you know, I think I could share some life lessons, a little bit of comedy. If you haven't listened yet, season one, episode two, I did with my love of my life. My wife, Kate, um, talked about some of the comedy surrounding how we met, uh, dated and progressed. And then we ran out of time. So I killed it. So there'll be another episode uh, where we pick up from there and go into this blending of the family uh, podcast, which should be a a good one to listen to, too. But, yeah, the the kids... yeah, the kids that we have, um, love them to death. Uh, we had the family meeting tonight. We talked about it. And my overriding theme in the meeting was, I need you to respect the house. Because that's kind of how I, I was raised. I, As I mentioned earlier, I'm from an Italian-American family. We had the living room with the plastic on it that was never to be sat in unless the Pope showed up. Um, we had the China cabinet, again, not to be set on a table unless the Pope showed up. So that's the mentality that I grew up in. My, my wife, my love of my life, Kate, tells everybody that I have OCD about wanting to keep things clean. And I don't think it's that I have OCD. I think it's just that I'm tidy. I really enjoy the adjective tidy. I'm not, it's not like I have to do touch the knob, touch the knob, touch the knob, turn it. Um, I don't have that form of OCD and I, and I do feel bad for anybody that does. I mean, that's got to be debilitating at best. Um, my thing is I always like to have the house to a, to a level in which if I were to, if somebody knocked on our door at eight o'clock at night and needed to use the phone, I wouldn't be embarrassed to open up my front door. If we can keep it to a level in which my embarrassment is not a factor, then I'm okay. You know what I mean? It's like, if you have laundry, in front of the washer if the trash is full take it out if the dishes are in my favorite though this is the one that drives me absolutely insane sorry i'm oversharing tonight but i just have to um well, fine. Go ahead, my, my favorite is the dishwasher 
It has a light that illuminates when it's clean. My kids will walk in, do the side look, see if the light's illuminated, then continue to grab their plate. Maybe they're having cookies. Maybe they're having a frozen pizza, whatever they're having. I don't know. I eat extremely healthy, um, but they, they don't. So they'll eat that stuff. Oh my gosh. It, it blows my mind. I have my fridge has, I go shopping every week and I'm, and I'll share this with you guys. I drop probably somewhere between 270 and 325 a week on groceries of which it's disgusting. Like I've gotten to the point now where I've started buying store brand cookies because if I buy two packages of Oreos on Saturday by Monday, they're gone. Now, if I buy the crappy store brand, I might get a week and a half because they're like the, you know, that sick animal that doesn't really want the trash, but it's starving to death. So it'll eat the trash eventually. That's what they do when it comes to, um, but I, I, I mention all that because of that two seventy to three hundred dollar bill every week, there's probably forty dollars that suffices me between egg whites, vegetables, uh, tuna, <laughs> you know, salmon. Uh, just eating and boys, things that are boys eat forever. <laughs> they oh, go on food spurts where they're eating everything the and then they don't legs. eat anything. <laughs> Absolutely. All three of them have hollow legs. All three of them are going through growth spurts. My, but the little one, my, my stepdaughter, who's 10, she can eat, out eat two of the three of the older boys. It, it's incredible. She's no bigger than a minute. She's built like a stick figure. Um, and she's a super athletic girl. She plays softball and soccer here in New Hampshire. Um, she had a high metabolism. It, it, absolutely. And she's very active, but it, it blows my mind. If I buy a 24 pack of water bottles. Oh, sorry. I just had a little PTSD thinking about water bottles. Um, so we buy water bottles and mm-hmm. I'm probably going to stop doing this soon. But one of the things that irks me more than anything is not that you leave the bottle out, not go, you know, three steps to the trash, crush it and throw it in because, you know, the steps mm-hmm. that play out might finish a water bottle. Nope. It's the three quarters full water bottles with no initial on it. They're all germaphobes, so it's not like they see that and they go, oh, that might have been my sister's. I'll just drink it. Nope. They all look at it and go, I don't remember than that. Um, I think that might be yours, Dad. And I'm like, guys, I pound a 16-ounce water bottle in about three seconds. I don't really sip water. I chug water. I drink water all day. I probably drink a gallon and a half a day if I'm, luck- if I'm underestimating. It's usually more than that. Um, I drink a ton of water. I'm not going to sip a 16-ounce bottle. That doesn't happen. So if there's a water bottle and it's out, first off, I'd never leave one out. Second off, I'd never leave it with water in it. That's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. So they'll sit there and they literally play what I call water roulette, where they'll look at it and they'll go, hey, is that yours? And the other one will go, no, it's not mine. I think it's his. And then the third one will go, no, it's probably hers. And the four of them will bicker and argue about it. And it, it drives me nuts. And it doesn't matter I, you know, I reference a 16 ounce water bottle. It doesn't matter. I can buy the little tiny ones for the kids, the eight ounces, mm-hmm. and they'll still leave those half full. It's like, who drinks wow. four ounces of water? Because you know what? I'm good. Um, I just, I, I, I don't get it. I, I've so far out of that that I've moved to, I only drink seltzer water now because none of the kids like carbonation. So I know that if I buy a 12 pack of Canada dry seltzer water, I'm good for a week. You know, because I drink there so much go. during the, the the office that when I come home, maybe one or two, I'm good to go. 
these kids blows my mind. They don't understand what food going stale is like. Oh, you're going to rip open the Oreos? No problem. Oh, you know what's a good idea? Leave the bag open because everybody likes soft Oreos in two days. Um, I'm, I'm going off on, going off on a tangent, but these are all the things that are banging around in my cranium tonight. Um. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it happens. I've never had the water bottle water bottle problem, but um, but the but the picking up after themselves. My and and this is the truth. My two year old, he when well when he was two, he learned how to pick up his toys and put them away, and he taught his younger brother, which is two years younger than him, to clean up after himself. And he would actually get upset with him. Joey, God, pick up the toys. God, put it away. Because what happened was, was we were having toys all over the place. I was stepping on them, banging my toes, <laughs> everything oh else. My, with my husband. So we got to the point to where the toys started dis- disappearing. They were, and we would put them in a closet, and they wouldn't see them anymore, or whatever it was, you know. And and he learned how to pick it up. And so I, you know, if I see something, he goes, I put it away. I'm okay, good boy. You know, so we learn. And sometimes you have to be a little bit strict, and it kind of really sucks because you don't want to be that way, but then you have to be that way at certain times in order to get cooperation, in order to get some a- form of harmony. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I, and I still have, I have the authoritative ability over three of the four. My oldest is 15. He'll be 16 in, in June. And so he's at that point in his life where he's the smartest person in the room. Just ask him. Um, he has his own <laughs> worldview already set through. There's nothing you can say about it. You, you, you know, battling him with logic doesn't work. In fact, there's a, there's a saying in my house that I, I utter a lot, which is don't let tricky facts get in the way of a good argument. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> we'll go back and forth and he'll spout off, he'll pontificate on some point and I'll say, um, that's absolutely not based in reality, my man. Um, let's, let's break that down and, and take a look at it. And he'll go, dad, no, you're wrong. Uh, let me tell you why you're wrong. And it's funny. He's being that he's 15, almost 16. He's not a millennial. He is Gen Z. He's the, 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 the generation after the millennials. So he has, Oddly, hatred for millennials. Like, I, and I'm looking at him going, I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, bud. I base my, I, I base my thoughts. Are using his critical skills thinking, you know, and that's good rather than just conforming right away. He's giving you an argument, whether it's legitimate Ooh. or not, you know. For but, sure. Um, oh, one thing he and first you got to let them make the mistakes so they can learn from Absolutely. I, I, you know, and one of the mistakes that, um, you know, I'm letting him make this year to a degree. I mean, right, I'm, right, I'm, right, a yeah, I'm a firm believer in giving them rope, but not so much that they can tie a noose and hang themselves um, from a perspective of failure. So sure. this year uh, we have a constant, I don't know, constant topic in the house that we talk about specifically, mostly with my oldest, but also my middle um, where we talk about time management and making time for the things that are important right now in your life. Because at the end of the day, if you're 15, 14, and 13, and 10, you have one gosh darn job. Let's go to school. Get good grades. That's it. Everything else is fluff. You don't have to go to an office. You don't have a boss. You don't have you know, layers within a corporation to try to climb and work within. You have school. So that's mm-hmm. all dad needs you to do. Focus on school. Now, my oldest 
going through elementary and middle school came very easy to him. Um, and that was a good thing and a detriment. The good thing was mm-hmm. he literally ate class and they put him in advanced classes. He'd still ace it. The detriment when he got to high school, the requirements are a little stricter. They want a little more information. You can't just memorize what you learned in class that day and take a quick pop quiz and smoke it. Um, so he didn't really develop true study habits. And so he's freshman year. He struggled a little bit this year. Uh, he's in a couple of advanced placement classes and he's struggling because, you know, a two word answer, it's not what they're looking for in AP biology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything came so, so easy and then it came to a screeching halt. <laughs> right. And he's so we're learning how we're to struggle. Right. And we're struggling with the time management aspect of, you know, making time to, you know, I'm a firm believer because I grew up in such a tight knit family that, you know, I wanted to hang out with my parents, even when I was his age. Um, I still wanted to have some family time each day. Um, my mom mm-hmm. was a single mom for a long time, a uh, full time worker, but it was known that she would get home at 530. And almost every single night, dinner was on the table at 6.30. And regardless of what you had going on, you were expected to be at the table because that was our family mm-hmm. time. And right. I, I try to institute that now, but it's so funny. Like, I'll get home at quarter past six at night after my commute. I'll start cooking. I won't see a soul until I text from my kitchen to my kids' bedrooms that dinner is ready. It's oh, bizarre. Wow. They're not. They're not up there doing homework. They're up there on Xbox. They're on Nintendo Switch. They're on YouTube. Um, you know, it, 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 it's insanity. It, it's the time management piece is so important that I fear that, you know, as the year has gone on, um, I've had to interject a few times and just say, we need to reset the clock. You know, it's too much, too much gaming, not enough family time, obviously not enough homework time. So we need to start putting these three, buckets and start filling them. Um, had that talk with him this past weekend, actually. So we're coming up on a week, a uh, couple days from now. And to his mm-hmm. credit, starting to do good, turning the corner, doing a little bit of extra credit, working, you know, staying after, taking the late bus home. Um, it's Now it's the lesson to be taught is sustaining it. <laughs> Not just doing it until dad gets off your back, but actually sustaining this as a process towards, you know, success. And he has every intention of going to a four-year school. He has, he has the capability and ability to continue his grades and, and make that, that want a reality. He just has to work to get there. And he's not used to having to do that. So that's, that's been a pain point for he and I, my little guy, my little guy tried, went down this path when he was nine. He's 13 now. Um, and that year, I had to really put the hammer down because first I took away the games. You can't, you can't have the, the online games. You can't do the Xbox. Grades stayed in the tank. I was like, wow, what's going on? Why am I not reaching him? And it turned out I wasn't hitting the right button. And I think everybody, whether you're an adult or a child, uh, boy or girl, whatever you are, you Everybody has different triggers that actually, you know, mean something to them. And what I found, yeah, what I found out with him was it was baseball. You know, both my boys played uh, competitive baseball um, all the way up until 
basically last year. Um, and my youngest was really good. Uh, my oldest was really good, but, you know, did instructions, had, you know, had private lessons, you know, worked on certain aspects of his game and, and elevated it to that travel team level and did okay. The little guy is an enigma because he's naturally gifted at all sports. So, well, the oh. other one was doing lessons and busting his hump and dripping in sweat. The little guy would just pick up the bat and start crushing. Um, so that year uh, he was on track and actually I know the the coach that he had, he was selected for the all-star team and his team was going to the playoffs. And I made the very unpopular decision to remove him from the team right before the playoffs as an indicator of you need to focus on school to his credit, knock on wood uh, to his credit. That was four years ago. Since then he has um, flirted with the honor roll more than a few times. He hasn't quite secured it. It's usually one class that he's, one or two points off of getting that 80 and, and making it to the honor roll. But he is actually, yeah, he's turned the corner. Well, you stood firm. You stood out, you know, and then, yeah, it might have sucked because you probably would have loved to see him play. But, um, yeah, you, you nailed it. And, and you're better dad for it. I try, you know, it's a, it's a struggle. There's no guidebook for parenting. Um, you know, we all tried to, <laughs> I really wish there was. In fact, I've, I've had conversations with my mom because I, I mentioned it's like a 45 minute ride home from the office. And, you know, I try to pick a different day each week to call one of my family members just to connect and, and see how they're doing. You know, my my mom lives about an hour and a half away from my house now. My dad lives down in South Carolina. My brother lives in uh, Minnesota. So to check in with everybody, I kind of everybody has their day. Uh, where I check in with them and I may be checking with my brother. We're a little tighter. I call him probably two, three times a week, but mm-hmm. I, I've said to my mom on more than one occasion, mom, if you're looking to, you know, she's, in, she's retired now. I said, if you're looking to do something in your retirement, I'd write a parenting book because every new parent wishes that they had one. <laughs> <laughs> and there's dozens of ones out there, but each kid is unique in their own way. You know, but there are certain guidelines, of course, you know, that you, I know my parents, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, my dad was a radiologist, you know, so he was the breadwinner. So we were lucky and fortunate enough to have her. I have three sisters, and I'm the oldest. Oh, wow. I'm 53 years old right now. <laughs> but um, it was come home from school. We actually had chores before we started school, but we did chores as far as, you know, one of us would do the bathroom, one of us would back in the living room, another one would you know, do the furniture polish and this and that. And then we would switch, you know, she would switch us, you know, weekly or whatever. So we would do something different. And, um, sure. but then nothing, then it went to homework. And then you could go outside if you finished your homework before you, you know, then you could go outside. But, um, and so if you're still sitting there and everybody was outside, well, you know, that's too bad. You got to your homework. I remember sitting there crying sometimes, but, but I was better for it because it was like, okay, I need to speed up my cleaning as far as my chores go or, you know, focus on my homework and not what's going on outside, and um, and then I can get rewarded by going outside and playing. And so those are the, kind of the same things I, I brought up as far as with my sons, and, and I'm so proud of them. <laughs> they're doing so well. Sounds they really like they're are. wonderful. And, oh, they are. They really are. And I'm so blessed for that. But it wasn't easy. And, you know, a, a book, a guide, anything, because you run into obstacles, a lot, especially oh, for, throughout the year, the different transitions, you know, from 
a, a young child to teenagers and then young adults. And, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, the transition is, you know, the, the, the phrase, the struggle is real, is true. The struggle is real. Um, whenever you, when you have your first child, you always say to yourself, okay, I'm going to take the best parts of parenting that I got from my parents, and then I'm going to take the worst parts and do them differently. So that way I can create a better, a better outcome for my child than, than mine, you know, whatever those challenges were that you had. And I did the same thing with my boys. You know, one of the things I wished that, you know, my dad was the workaholic breadwinner in my family and my mom was the at home mom when they were still married. And Mm -hmm. The one thing looking back that I wish I had when I was younger was a tighter, a tighter relationship with my dad because he traveled a lot for work. He was always on the road when he came home. He was he was juiced from it. And I just, you know, I wished that I had more of that. So then when I had my boys, that was the focus. It was I'm going to be the most hands on dad you've ever met in your life. And, you know, thankfully. I was able to do that. Um, I owned a company when, when we had our children and was mm-hmm. able to provide so that my wife at the time, my first wife was able to be at home. Um, but I always made it a point that no matter what I had going on at the company, I was always home for dinner by five thirty. Cause when the kids are little, you can set whatever dinner time you want. Um, <laughs> as long yes. as it's before, tubbies, as long as it's before tubs and stories, you're good. Um, and that's exactly <laughs> what I did. So, I made sure I was home every night, made sure that if, you know, there was an opportunity to go outside and, you know, I play a ton of baseball. It's just a passion of mine. So if I could pass that passion on to them, it would be great. And Mm -hmm. it it really, it really, really worked out. Now I say that because for me, it worked out. My oldest uh, said to me last year, we were sitting on the couch and he was getting ready to prepare for baseball tryouts at high school for freshman team. And the kid's been playing baseball since he was six. So last year he was 14. So that's eight solid seasons of baseball and countless hours of lessons, instruction and multiple teams that he played on. And he said to me, he said, dad, I need to ask you a question. I said, sure. Now I've coached him from T-ball through Babe Ruth. And then when he went to travel team, um, he had a different coach because they don't let parents coach. So he said, uh, I, would you be okay if I didn't play baseball this season or ever. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, why don't you have a seat? I want to talk to you. So he had a seat and I said, I, I need you to, undo, I need you to understand something from a parent's perspective. He said, sure. What is it? I said, Timmy, his name's Tim. I said, Tim, as a parent, my happiness and my joy comes from seeing your happiness and your joy. I never want you to do something to make me happy. I want you to do something and be happy because the joy I see on you, whether it's through playing a sport, whether it's accomplishing something in your life or building something or just being a part of something, when you're fulfilled as a parent, I'm fulfilled. You know, that's, that's the magic of parenting right there. And he kind of he took a step back and he said, I thought you were going to flip out. <laughs> oh, no. I said, this just goes to show why you should try to figure things out on your own, bud. Um. <laughs> oh, well, that was perfect. That was a perfect talk. And definitely, he's going to remember that too later. And I hope you know. he does because ultimately, you know, our, our, 
largest responsibility as parents is to provide the, the right type of environment for our children to thrive. It's not about the parent thriving. And as a coach, it was one of those things that I struggled with every season were the aggressive parents at the, the field. I would have a, a meeting with all the parents before the season started. And I said, you know, I'd tell them, do you see the fence that separates the field from the stands? And they'd say, well, yeah, dummy, we see it. It's right there. And I'd say, great. Um, my office is on this side of the fence. <laughs> Your office is on that side of the fence. I don't take any visitors in my office. And so I prefer if you don't like a move that I make, if Johnny's not getting enough time in left field because, you know, I didn't play him enough there, that's something that I'm more than willing to talk to you about without your son or daughter, just you and I, after a game. But during a game, the only thing I want to hear from this section is cheering on every child on this team. Because trust me, as a youth baseball coach, I'm not getting paid. I'm just here for my, my son, the love of the game, and to teach the game to your children. I'm mm -hmm. not getting paid. I'm just here for them. So if you have an issue with somebody's playing time, if you have an issue with an umpire, do not vocalize it. This is not the major leagues. Um, the umpire can clearly hear you whispering because that's just a metal fence. It's not soundproof. So try not to, you know, interfere in the, the play of the game. And inevitably every year I'd be bestowed with a, a parent or two that just couldn't get with the program. And it was so frustrating because nine out of 10 times, the child that they were lamenting over not getting enough playing time was either not ready for that type of playing time, or I didn't want to set them up to fail. You know, mm -hmm. there, are, there are certain times oh, in baseball. Where, right. And, it's my, mm -hmm. it's my job to figure out where you're going to be most successful because ultimately if I put you in at shortstop and you can't feel the ground ball, not only are you going to feel like a heel when every one of them goes by you, but your teammates, because they're young, are going to get hard on you and, and, and kind of really ruin your confidence. And ultimately, specifically with the game of baseball and specifically in the, the country of the U.S. where we are, baseball is a, is a sport that's losing its fan base year in and year out through the youth levels because the speed of the game isn't there. The, the action of the game isn't there. So that if you have 14 or 15 kids on your team that are interested in playing the sport, I, I think it's a responsibility of the coach to make sure that you're providing an environment in which they want to play this sport and that they're having successes in it so that they stick with it and can gain the, the peripheral lessons of the sport, which is teamwork, working together, pulling mm -hmm. towards a common goal, rooting for each other, building a bond where, you know, when Johnny gets up to hit Sam, Mike, Bobby, you know, Zan, everybody is up on the fence, rooting them on because that's ultimately what I, you know, from a coaching perspective, I didn't care about the wins or losses. I cared about how was my team playing together? Were they rooting each other on? And if they weren't, we had team meetings about that. So it's, yeah. it's one of those things They're I like just hope care. Absolutely. Which is one of my tags to the podcast, life lessons. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the parents that, that complain that their kid is not getting enough time, they don't realize that when they do that and have their outbursts with the coach or with the umpire in front of everybody, screaming and, and hollering and jumping up and down, that they're actually putting pressure on their kid now. Because when their kid does get their opportunity to get out there and shine, he's just thinking, I better not screw up. I better not screw up because mom will be mad or dad will be mad or... <laughs> 
Oh boy, oh boy, Absolutely. you know, this, this pressure. It creates anxiety. And I've had I've had players pull me aside in the dugout and say, Hey, listen, my dad's here today. I don't really want to play because if I don't get a hit, he's gonna he's just gonna start hollering from the the stands and it it makes me nervous. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, All right, you're gonna play and which one's your dad? <laughs> I'm gonna go have a quick I'm gonna have a quick chit chat with him in his office. Um <laughs> so I, I love you know, the life it, lessons that you're teaching about togetherness because it is so true. We've gotten so far away and made it a dog eat dog world to where it's I'll step on you to get where I need to be instead of when you look good, that makes me look good. I go up and you go with me and, and you know, so on and so on. So we're all rising, thriving and and prospering together instead of stepping on each other. Absolutely. And, and your it's, togetherness it's work is excellent. Thank you. It's one of my core foundations of coaching. And at the end of the day, um, we measure our success. At least I measured my team's successes off of how they came together from April through the end of June, because that's kind of the, the length of the season for youth baseball uh, before we get into summer leagues and then fall ball. But I did a lot of spring baseball and it was, you know, you'd start out with a ragtag group of kids. And by the time we hit the middle of June, they were playing together as a team. Now, truth be told, and I'm not afraid to, to bear my soul here on the podcast. I, I only had like three winning seasons out of the eight. Um, but what I do have is a lot of cards, sweatshirts. Um, somebody happened to know that I like good whiskey. His parents knew that. So needless to say, at the end of the season, I got showered with gifts. And it was mostly the kids telling their parents, I want to get something for coach. You know, he really, really had an impact this year. And I say that to also say that I'm, I'm old school enough. Um, because of my age and we're, we're very close in age. So you get this as well. I'm not part of the, everybody gets a participation trophy award group. Um, but I didn't ever miss an opportunity, whether it was a win or a loss to make sure that I gave a game ball to one of the kids on the team. And what they didn't know was that in my book, in my, my scorebook, I would, indicate which child got the, the game ball for each game to ensure that everybody got one before anybody got a second. Um, those type of things, I think, speak volumes in regards to how a, a kid perceives a, or perceives a coach. And hopefully, you know, down the line, these kids will continue to play the sport and, and take some of those life lessons uh, forward into how they approach their their career, how they approach their schoolwork, how they approach their interactions with other people, and you know if I had if I played one small part in that, I'd feel pretty good about myself. I really want to thank you for calling in and talking with me tonight. This has been Braindrop One, Episode Three, titled "Kids." Not as much comedy as I was hoping for, but sometimes you know just talking about life can be equally as fun. So I want to thank everybody who listens to this when you download it. And I will be back this weekend with a bonus episode. Also stay tuned and listen to any of the CLS media Celtics post game for the remaining of the regular season and or the playoffs till we meet again. See ya. Look, if you had one shot, opportunity seize everything you ever wanted one moment you capture
pressure. Just let it slip. Yo.